1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Uh, And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes an excellent newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen selling? Now, with regard to Chen's newsletter, there are a couple of more days uh, at the start of each quarter. Uh, There is a limited time in which you can sign up for Chen's letter. Uh, There is still a a couple of days left for you to do so at the beginning of this quarter. Uh, The next time will be uh, the beginning of April to sign up for Chen's letter. To do that, you need to go to miningstocks.com miningstocks.com and put your name on a waiting list uh, and then follow up from there to sign up for Chen's letter. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. I want to encourage you to continue sending your questions and comments and criticisms and praises or what have you to Taylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. I would also like to invite you to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is JTaylorMedia. do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Novo Resources, Inc., DynaCore Gold Mines, and Cornerstone Capital. And I should mention that uh, in just a few minutes from now, I will be talking to the CEO of a previous sponsor, a recent sponsor of ours, Columbus Gold. Uh, and Columbus Gold is really a very interesting company. Well, first of all, let me just say that I am turning – much more bullish on gold. I think there's reasons to believe that we uh, have seen the bottoms in gold and that we are probably heading on to something much better than we've seen the last few years for the gold mining shares. Having said that, though, Columbus Gold, uh, Robert, the company that Robert Juster heads up, um, is, I think, a very, very unvalued situation. This is a company that's selling at around $0.40 cents or under uh, $0.40 cents per share, Uh and they own 50% of a 4-plus-million-ounce gold deposit in French Guyana, which is really uh, in South America, but it is uh, under the French government's jurisdiction. Uh, And uh, you might be wondering, how can a company with a 40-cent stock be able to finance a mining project into production, a mining project that will cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, the answer to that is that uh, Columbus Gold has given up 50% of that 4 million ounces. And by the way, the ounces are growing. They are exploring and developing, and I expect those numbers to grow quite a bit. But it is giving up 50% of those 4 million ounces by allowing a major company, one of the larger gold mining companies, a very successful, well-funded uh, aggressive gold producer to finance that uh, and carry it up to production. So uh, there is, I think, a great upside potential for Columbus Gold, and Robert Juster will be with me at the end of, uh, well, just in a few minutes after our first commercial break to talk about uh, Columbus Gold. Before I talk about today's show, let me just say that I think the odds are rising that we are nearing a very major drop in asset prices. As I look at the equity markets today here on the 13th of January, uh, to start the day, uh, the markets leaped up to, uh, the Dow was up almost 300 points at one point, and now I see it's down 110 points here as we are are within the last minute of close here on uh, Tuesday. Now, one of the reasons that I've turned uh, quite a few reasons, but one of the reasons that sort of make me confident that we're nearing a top in the gold markets – uh, I'm sorry, not in the gold markets, in the uh, equity markets and in many of the asset markets is because of my inflation-deflation watch. And uh, it is uh, well, something I write about in my newsletter almost weekly. Uh, but what we've seen is a major drop in this index, which measures commodity prices, it measures equity prices, and the equity prices, especially the U.S. equity markets, have held... The inflation-deflation index up quite well, but now as we're starting to see the equity markets uh, come under some pressure, and again, as I look at the screen, the Dow's down now 125 points. It seems to be accelerating to the downside. then, um, the issue is that the, da- that my IDW has actually fallen below the three-year moving average, and the trajectory of it suggests that it's heading very much, uh, towards the five-year moving average. In other words, I think we've seen a shift in momentum very dramatically to the downside in asset prices, and of course, this is what central bankers have been complaining about. Well, why is that? Why could prices be falling like crazy? At the very time when central bankers uh, have printed more money than they ever have in history, Uh, in the history of the world. Well, John Exter predicted this. The great central banker John Exter predicted this. uh, Going back, following Nixon's taking us off the gold standard in 1971, Exter suggested that the more money they would print, the more deflationary it would become. Why? Because what we have is debt money. We don't have an asset monetary system. We have a monetary system in which debt is the raw material in which money is manufactured. So the more money that's created, the more debt is created. And so we are rising, the debt levels are rising to levels that the whole system is becoming uh, is becoming basically insolvent. And so I think we are entering a period of time in which the international banking system is going to uh, default uh, and is extra predicted then outside of that declining pyramid, that inverted pyramid in which um, the most – liquid assets are towards the bottom. Outside of that, the most liquid assets would be the dollar and the U.S. treasuries, which we're seeing are uh, very, very strong right now. This makes total sense to Exter and to those that believe that uh, fiat money is uh is the death of us all in terms of our monetary system. Well what we'll see ultimately is a return to gold because it will be the only way that you can restore confidence into the monetary system. And indeed the Chinese and the Russians and others seem to have a better grasp of this than our monetary geniuses that have gone through the uh through the major uh financial the major institutions, uh the Harvards, Princeton's and Yales uh of our country uh, those are the guys that have been leading us astray, I think, leading us down the path of destruction, monetarily speaking, uh, in other ways, too, I'm afraid. Well, uh, today's show I've titled Exploring Gold and Other Currency Opportunities in 2015. As I just noted, Robert Juicer is going to be with me in just a couple of minutes uh, after our first break. He'll be talking about Columbus Gold. And that company 's excellent exploration project, a uh, development project really moving towards uh, becoming a gold mine with a major company pushing it along, uh, and for the first time, i 'm really looking forward to talking to Chuck Butler. He is the president of everbank. Everbank is a very unique bank that provides an expertise in a large number of foreign currencies which you can own. And at EverBank, uh, they are also FDIC-insured, just as your U.S. dollar accounts are insured. And, uh, Chuck, and uh, Chuck Butler and EverBank are also very keen about owning gold, and they provide a number of gold products uh, that you can own gold bullion uh, under their custodial uh, keepings as well. Well, we do have to go to our first commercial break, but don't go away because when we come back, I will be talking to Robert Joostra, as I just noted, the CEO of one of my favorite junior mining companies, uh, that is Columbus Gold, selling at a mere 40 cents, but it is the 50% owner of a 4-plus million ounce gold deposit. So don't go away. We'll be right
0: back with Robert Joostra. Novo Resources Corporation, trading symbols NSRPF on the OTCQX and NVO on the Canadian Securities Exchange, is an advanced junior mining exploration company whose highly prospective assets are located in the Hammersley Basin of Western Australia. Novo's flagship asset, its Beaton's Creek Project, has an NI 43101 compliant resource of 420,000 ounces at a grade of 1.5 grams per ton. With $10 million in cash and strong shareholder support from Newmont Mining, Novo looks to complete a feasibility study. In the first quarter of 2015
3: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
1: you're listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm pleased to have with me once again Robert Justra. Robert is the Chief Executive Officer and Chairman of Columbus Gold. He's been actively engaged in the creation, financing, development, and management of publicly traded junior mining companies since 1992. His early experience in public markets includes working as an investment advisor with a national securities broker and later as an investment banker with an international investment dealer where he co-founded the Institutional Equity Sales and Cooperative Finance Departments with a specialist focus on the junior mining sector. And since uh, 1998, Robert has uh, held senior executive positions with and served on the board of a number of junior mining companies. He is presently also chairman of Columbus Copper Corp. Uh, Before we say hello to Robert, I should mention that Columbus Gold has approximately 135 million shares outstanding, and its recent price has been around $0.40 40 to $0.48 Canadian in other words uh, this is a company with a, a still relatively well quite small market cap actually i think for uh, given the number of ounces of gold it has in the ground and uh, it is a company that uh, is one of my top picks it is also a company that i own Uh, shares in, which I have purchased uh, in the United States uh, on the -the over-the-counter market under CBGDF. The symbol in Canada is CGT, uh, that you you can buy it in Canada or in the United States. So it's really good to have you with me again, Robert. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jay. You know, you uh, really do have a very unusual situation, I think, Robert, and I have to uh, say kudos to you for the deal you struck a a year ago or so uh, with a very large uh, internationally lar- large gold mining company because it's really difficult to for junior mining companies, especially in this environment, to move multi-million ounce gold projects along. So uh, I, I really want to start out by asking you to talk to our listeners about your project in French Guiana, the Paul Isner project. Um, and you do have just a whisker under a 50% interest in that uh, in that project. Talk to our listeners how many millions of ounces uh, are in the resource now at the Paul Isner Project, and perhaps you can give us an idea of exploration activities there as well.
3: Sure, I'd be happy to do so. Um, Paul Isner is located in French Guyana, as you pointed out. Um, first thing I want to say is that it's in a safe mining jurisdiction. French Guyana is part of France. Uh, the deposit uh, is uh, accessible, and that shouldn't really be underestimated in this part of the world where Many of uh, the attractive gold deposits um, are hard to get to, um, usually can't drive to them. Um, you have to barge down a river on a boat or fly in. Uh, uh, Paul Isnard is an exception in the sense that you can actually drive uh, straight to the deposit, uh, which uh, makes it a bit of an exception in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deposit uh, is, is large, uh, it presently contains 4.3 million ounces of gold based on the previous resource estimate. Uh, that was completed um, mid-last year. Uh, since then, we've drilled about an additional 18,000 meters. Uh, we've uh, we've drilled the entire deposit off uh, with spacing of 50 meters. Uh, and those results have, uh, have been announced over the months. Um, they're still coming in. We expect to announce uh, all of the results by mid-February, but they're exactly what we expected, and that means that the, the present 4.3 million ounce deposit, um, when we announce a new resource estimate uh, around the end of February or March, uh, we expect that to be significantly larger and with a higher level of confidence, meaning there are additional drill holes with tighter spacing
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, providing further confirmation that um, the, you know, the, the goal is there. The, the deposit is, uh, is mineable by open pit methods uh, as opposed to under, more expensive underground methods. And we just announced yesterday the results of our metallurgical studies. Uh, As you know, Jay, um, there are a lot of gold deposits out there that have ounces in the ground, uh, but they're not worth anything if you can't actually get the gold out of the ground. Mm -hmm. That comes down to the metallurgy. And um, Paul Isnard has metallurgy uh, recoveries of better than 95%. So 95% of that gold is is recoverable.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it looks like a pretty straightforward, and not technically challenging project. The way it looks at this point in time, anyway. Although, uh, I guess maybe there are no gold mining projects that don't have some challenges along the way. But uh, how soon do you think this might be moved towards production? How many years away are we yet?
5: Well, we're
3: several years away yet, Jay. Um, it's uh, you know there there is a process. Um, the, the next milestone uh, is to get a better handle on the economics, which uh, we're confident are going to be attractive. Um, we're aiming for a, a preliminary economic assessment in the spring of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be falling off the heels of the new resource estimate. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the PA will give us an indication of uh, what areas we have to focus on uh, to, to you know, improve the economics, make them even better. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the objective of completing a full bankable feasibility study, incorporating all the environmental aspects, um, economic, political, and so on, uh, into one bankable document that we can provide to a financial institution for funding for construction of the mine. So the feasibility study uh, must be completed by March 2017 under our agreement with our partner Nordgold, which you alluded to earlier. Uh, and uh, typically, mine construction can take up to two years uh, for a mine of this size. So we'd be looking at 2019 and 20 uh, for production. Uh, but that's not really where the upside is on the stock, as you know, Jay. The 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 upside uh, on the share price comes from the the growth phase uh, of the of the project, uh, adding ounces and and de-risking the project. Uh, and most of those milestones will be met over the next eighteen months. Yeah, indeed, and of
2: course, uh, it actually, in fact, you know, if you, I've seen many times uh, illustrated both in reality and also hypothetically, that uh, it's during the discovery phase, and uh, you know, as the ounces are building up in the ground, when the share price generally can uh, can have its most uh, uh, most of its upside, and then you and then you go into a period where it might go sideways or even trend down a bit. Uh, while you're going through what's sort of the mundane but very necessary aspects of of building a mine and financing it and all of that. So I, I would say to our listeners that this is a stock that you really need to keep your eyes on because of these drivers uh, that we just heard about. First, the, uh, we're going to see um, an updated resource report and then a PEA. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my feeling is, Robert, I, I don't know. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball, but I, we've been through a, a really tough time here of a couple of years. I think when people start looking at gold mining more favorably again, and I believe they're going to do that because of uh, improving economics for gold mining companies, uh, especially with falling energy prices, that uh, people will start looking at companies like this and start bidding up the price again. I mean, you are actually for uh, with a $50 million market cap or so in U.S. money, $55, 60000000 maybe. Uh, quite i think quite undervalued for a company with its uh, with those numbers of ounces in the ground, and of course we're we're expecting those numbers to to grow uh, what um, so what is so the timing so we're looking at a few years away yet, and um, anything else you can tell us about paul isnard i mean your your deal there with uh with Nord gold, maybe you could just mention that quickly to our listeners.
3: Sure, i'll I'll comment on um, your your uh, your reference to being undervalued. Um, mm-hmm. oh, you're I mean you're exactly right, jay. we We are definitely undervalued by um, many different measures. I, I think I could probably point one out right now. Uh, we're presently being valued at about twenty five dollars per ounce in the ground mm-hmm. uh, as the confidence level grows uh, in the project, Um, from uh, activities that we're currently undertaking uh, and going to announce uh, over the coming months, such as the the updated resource estimate with the additional drilling, uh, the preliminary economic assessment in the spring. Um, We could expect a re-rating based on ounces in the ground. Um, Typically, with that kind of information, we could expect to be valued at uh, not $25 per ounce in the ground, which you'd expect at our present stage but at higher levels perhaps 40 or 50 or 60 um, you know depending on the case mm-hmm. so we expect an immediate re-rating to come in the near future strictly based on milestones that uh, are expected to happen uh, imminently mm-hmm. our deal with Nordgold um, is, uh, is an exceptional one for a number of different reasons um, Nordgold is the 13th largest uh, gold company in the world but it's the fastest growing co- company in the world gold company in the world They operate nine gold mines in four different countries and uh, they are earning an interest in our Paul Is project by funding all of the work, which consists of uh, about $30 million uh, in expenditures and completion of of the bankable feasibility study targeted for latest March 2017. Um, In return for funding that work, uh, they will earn a 50% interest. 50.01% Fifty point zero one percent interest in the polymark project. So in effect, we're being carried uh, to feasibility by Nordgold. They're spending all of the money. In addition, they pay us a ten percent management fee. Mm-hmm. Um, so ten percent of all the money spent on the project uh, results in a ten percent management ten uh, percent management fee to us, mm-hmm. which covers all of our overheads. And, oh, um, that's that good goes too. Goes a long way in this type of market. Absolutely. Um, so, so we, we fully expect to, to, uh, achieve a, the feasibility study and not spend any of our own money. Mm-hmm. All right. So like the, the deal is exceptional in the sense that, uh, for performing, uh, all those activities and spending that money, uh, they only earn half of the project, mm-hmm. leaving us with the balance. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I've,
2: I've seen 70, 30 deals that, that seems to be more typical, that kind of thing. Uh, so, at some point in time, though, when it comes to building the mine and the mill and all that, you will need to come up with your uh, with your portion of the money, or uh, or what happens?
3: Well, we uh, we have the option of uh, funding uh, our forty nine point nine nine percent of the mine,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, or we can uh, we can allow Nordgold to do it at our election. Uh, they can uh, construct the mine, take it to the point of achieving production, uh, and we would be diluted accordingly. Uh, our dilution formula would require them, just to use one example, uh, for them to dilute us to a 10% interest in, a, in the producing mine, um, they would have to spend uh, over a billion dollars uh, in a scenario where we have a 4.5 million ounce um, uh, deposit hmm so there would have to be a significant amount of spending in order to dilute us uh out of the project. Uh, mine construction um, for a mine like this may cost four or five hundred million dollars mm-hmm. is our best estimate at this time and uh if we were to allow them to actually build the mine, not have to put up any further money, the likely scenario is that we end up somewhere between a uh, twenty and thirty percent interest mm-hmm Uh, In in, in the mine, but as you said, uh, we can retain our entire 49.9% interest uh, by uh, obtaining our own financing from a financial institution, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is the purpose of the feasibility study which should enable us to do so. Sure yeah well,
2: the options are open and it's good to know that uh, that you've got a strong partner that is moving things along very well. Uh, you do also have and I, one of the I think one of the bigger longer term attractions, uh, at least from my point of view for your company also is uh, your portfolio of prospective gold targets, gold and silver, I presume in uh, in Nevada. Could you take a minute or two to just uh, tell our listeners about that?
3: Yeah, we, uh, we have a portfolio of 15 gold projects in Nevada. However, there's, there's one that stands out, which we call our Eastside project. Uh, Eastside was a discovery, virgin discovery made by us last year. Uh, it uh, is in an area of exceptional infrastructure. Uh, it's um, six miles from the highway on a well-maintained gravel road uh, uh, from the highway that um, goes from Reno to Las Vegas, there is uh, a power transmission line that runs right through uh, the project claim block. Uh, there is water available on site. Uh, it's Really, it's just the dream location to find a gold mine, Jay, and it's, it's just outside of the mining town of Tonopah um, with uh, you know, all the infrastructure you would need. Um, and of course, it's in the United States, which mm-hmm. is perhaps, you know, and specifically Nevada, perhaps the safest mining jurisdiction in the world. Mm-hmm. We're we're pretty excited about it because it appears at this preliminary stage to have district scale potential.
4: Mm.
3: It's a very large claim block, and what I mean by district scale potential is we're finding gold everywhere at surface. I believe we now have six major targets with surface showings, One of which one of which has been drilled. And we'll be following up with a a follow-up drill program um, starting around spring of this year. We're we're pretty excited about it. It's a pretty significant event for Nevada. We think, mm-hmm. uh, which um, already produces about eight percent of the gold uh, in the world and eighty percent of the
2: gold in the United States. Yeah, a, a, sec- a significant event for Nevada is saying something, of course, as you point out. Well, are you spending some money then? Uh, what sort of budget do you have set aside for uh, East Side for the East Side project? And also, maybe you could just also take a moment to comment on uh, you know how well funded your your company is at the moment.
3: The budget for Eastside, and th- this is a project we have 100% interest in. We have sure. absolutely no intention of, of farming it out uh, or bringing a partner in. That's the beauty of working in Nevada. Um, uh, it, it's a cost-effective jurisdiction to operate a exploration program in, in terms of your drilling costs and all your available labor and expertise, which is right at your doorstep. So we're going to move this one forward and keep 100% interest ourselves. That's our intention at this time. Although I can tell you that all the, all the major mining companies, most of the major mining companies in Nevada have been asking questions and making inquiries mm-hmm. about our results. Uh, but our budget for 2015 is uh, about $9 million,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, which will include a very significant uh, drill program. Uh, over the next um, 18 months, we plan to drill uh, up to 250 holes, uh, which will uh, achieve the objective of a resource estimate on just one uh, of the uh, about half dozen targets we've identified from the surface gold showings on the property. Uh-huh. Wow! So that's uh,
2: another driver potentially for your uh, for your share price as well, is if you can come up with some good results. When do you think you? Um uh, you might have a resource then You're by the end of this year, possibly.
3: Well, the, re- the resource, the, r- the resource um, uh, would be uh, targeted for the first quarter of two thousand and sixteen. Hmm.
2: Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, lots, and you have other companies, other projects there as well. That I suppose, when the markets improve, uh, you will be leasing some of those out to some other companies, possibly.
3: Uh, in a better market environment, I think there'd be a high level of demand for some of those other projects. Uh-huh. Uh, we're we're uh, 100% focused on Eastside and Nevada. We have no intention, other than maintenance costs, no intention of spending any other money in Nevada at any of the other projects. Um, Eastside displays all the characteristics of uh, a you know district-scale discovery, and uh, we feel that it's not necessary to devote any capital to any of the other assets. Uh, Eastside is the sort of project that most companies are looking for, and uh, you know I'm pleased to say that uh, we've uh, um, we think it's a significant discovery, and that's where we're going to focus our efforts. Uh,
2: just uh, then, how much uh, money do you have in the till right now? Are you are you funded for that program this summer? Uh, we're this, we're this year?
3: funded for about we're funded for about half that project. We have mm-hmm. about five million dollars in the bank. Uh huh. So we will have to go back to the market at, at some point. I'm anticipating around mid this year mm-hmm. and to raise the funds required to uh, to complete the rest of that exploration mm-hmm. program.
2: You know, I, I must ask you also to comment briefly on uh, your geological team because you have some people that have had quite a track record uh, in Nevada, I believe, as
3: well, right? Um, I, I think that's the key. It's all about people, Jay. Sure. And uh, as you well know, um, our... Uh, uh, one of our key directors, Andy Wallace, uh, has a long history of discovery and mine development in Nevada. Um, he's responsible uh, for the discovery of about eight economic deposits, hmm. uh, which have all gone into production. Wow. All in the state of Nevada. And it's, it's an exceptional track record, and he is recognized by industry as uh, being one of the most successful uh, prospectors in the state of, in the history of the state of Nevada. So we're uh, extremely fortunate that he's a part of our management team. Uh, he's exclusively focused on Columbus Gold business and he manages all our all of our company's activities in the state of Nevada and hmm. the United States. Oh. Very good. Well, it's uh, it, you know
2: you you're right about that. It's all about people and uh, and I know that uh, that you have an ability to work with people, which is what I think most successful CEOs, uh, they have that people capability as well. So, uh, I, you know, I feel really good about your story. Uh, we'll be watching it. I'll certainly be watching it as a shareholder. You know, there's hundreds of junior mining companies out there, Robert. So how do you, if just to summarize perhaps our discussion, why should people pay perhaps a little more attention to Columbus Gold than to the vast majority of the other ones out there.
3: Well, I think the key reason is we actually have a deposit. Most of the junior mining companies, um, I'm just on the TSX Venture Exchange, where we have our principal listing. There are about 1,200 junior mining companies. Yeah. Uh, we're we're ranked um, 27th uh, in terms of uh, our market capitalization compared to those companies, wow. uh, which is about 50 million U.S. Um, but we've uh, we've completely outperformed all of our peers. Uh, over the last calendar year of 2014, and we've we've greatly, obviously, have outperformed the gold market, the GDXJ, which is the junior mining market, uh, and just the, the TSX Venture market in general. And there's a reason for that. It, it's because we have a major deposit that we're actually working on in an industry where nobody really is uh, spending any money because there isn't a lot of capital right uh, in the junior mining sector. Uh, at this time gold is out of favor um, uh, as you know, uh, you know that's the time you want to invest in a sector when it's out of favor so that's where we find ourselves now uh, but we, we have capital we are uh, very actively working uh, on both of our projects in Polisnard uh, and in Nevada we're drilling practically nobody is drilling uh, in the industry uh, and we're getting results uh, we're getting excellent results And we have a very large deposit when uh, most of our peers are are just looking to make a discovery. We're actually developing a a gold mine.
2: uh, Yeah, it's it's a good point. I was recently talking to Eric Coffin, and he made that point about your about your company as well that you're one of the few that are actually out there doing something drilling and exploring at this point in time the rest have sort of gone in hibernation Uh, so you have some real drivers coming out here that that we'll want to keep our eyes on and I uh, if is there anything else you might want to share with us today I I think you've pretty well summarized it probably
3: yeah I think we covered uh, most of the most of the bases Jay Um, I I appreciate your time today and uh, the opportunity to tell the story again it's always a pleasure to come on the show
2: Well, it's always a pleasure to have good stories to be told on my show. So thank you very much also, Robert, for your time. And I hope to do it again sometime in the not-too-distant future.
3: Will do. Thanks, Jay.
2: Thank you. Well, folks, uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. But coming up next, I'm going to be talking to Chuck Butler, uh, who is uh, the chairman at Everbank. And uh, he's going to be with us to talk about his views on the gold market, various currencies, and uh, the macroeconomic picture in the United States and abroad as well. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Chuck Butler.
0: Cornerstone Capital Resources is a prospect generator focused on joint venturing its highly prospective gold, silver, and copper projects in Ecuador and Chile. At its Cascabel Joint Venture in Ecuador, funded by partner Gold PLC, hole five of an ongoing drilling program intersected over 1,300 meters, grading over six-tenths of a percent copper and over half a gram per ton gold. Cornerstone retains a 15% interest, financed through to completion of a bankable feasibility study. Symbol CGP on the TS and CTNXF on the OTC. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacor Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at dynacoregold.com or follow us on Twitter at Dynacor gold. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: to turning hard times into good times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Chuck Butler. He is the president of EverBank World uh, Markets, uh, and he's the author of a popular daily uh, missive that uh, we get here in the Taylor household. Uh, It's called the Daily Fenning, uh, the Daily Fenning newsletter, which you can uh, actually get free of charge from Daily Fenning that's daily, P-F-E-N-N-I-G, if you don't know how to spell Fenning, dailyfenning.com. Uh, you can also go to everbank.com uh, to uh, to avail yourself to that excellent daily missive on the markets. And uh, as I was just telling Chuck before we come on the uh, on the air here that uh, I really enjoy them because they're fun reading. It's just a, a sort of a folksy fun thing to read in addition uh, to covering some very serious and very, very important topics, which we hope to talk to uh, Chuck about today. Uh, he, uh, Chuck Butler has uh, had a career in investment services and currencies extending over 35 years. Uh, he oversees all aspects of customer service and uh, trading desk at Everbank World Markets, Uh, that's uh, located in St. Louis. Uh, He's a respected analyst uh, of currency markets, uh, and he's frequently made appearances on many of the major media uh, places uh, like the Wall Street Journal. He's been in uh, U.S. News and World Report, Market Watch, USA Today. He's been on CNN, FN, Bloomberg Television, CNBC, and uh, the Chicago Tribune. So uh, he has really been around a lot. He previously uh, was a bond trader and director of risk management at Mark Twain Bank and has, been, uh, and has held significant positions uh, in the investment industry all the way back to 1973. So Chuck, as, uh, as a person who's been around the sun about as often as I have, and uh, as I like to say uh, to you young folks out there listening, you might pay some attention to your elders, especially really smart ones like Chuck Butler. Welcome, Chuck. I'm really glad to have you with me today.
5: Oh, well, thank you very much, Jay. That that was a, that was quite an intro, and I appreciate that.
2: Well, it's uh, I appreciate your missives. Uh, as I was telling you, uh, years ago, I used to read your missives, and I always found them very interesting. As a matter of fact, I think I was reading them in the days that I was still a banker myself at ING, Baring's, uh, and uh, and then more recently, I've gotten away from it. But my wife has been a steady reader, and she uh, she's a very good critic and she has really loved your stuff and she suggested that I should have you on the show and I said yeah why haven't I done this before now and as I look at the things that this show covers it makes perfect sense to have you with us so uh, I'd like uh, to open up just tell our listeners a little bit about EverBank it is a most unusual bank in in many ways and I think in most ways um, t- tell our listeners a little bit about EverBank and, and its uniqueness in the, in the banking industry
5: well uh, you know, actually, Everbank, uh, was first started as an online-only bank
2: mm-hmm.
4: in the
5: year 2000. It was called everbank.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 we, you know, we took off, uh, in January, uh, I'm sorry, in, yes, in January of 2000. And by, uh, sometime around June of, uh, 2003, they, um, uh, a bank in Florida, uh, First Alliance Bank bought us. And they loved our name so much that they changed the whole bank's name to Everbank. So that's, uh, that's the beginnings, the origins of Everbank. Uh, what we've been, uh, to people since we started is a, is, is what we like to call a value proposition to people or a, or an investment toolkit. Um, that you know, when you come to Everbank, you can uh, get a mortgage, you can get a, a checking account, you know, all those things that you get at a regular bank. But you can also, uh, use our investment toolkit, which is a, uh, fully just, dis- uh, or, or a, um, a fully owned, uh, discount brokerage mm-hmm. that we have that does uh, not only U.S. stocks and bonds and mutual funds and everything else, but it does foreign stocks, oh. and foreign bonds. huh? Oh and And uh, they do the foreign stocks in the local markets of fifty different countries, so uh-huh. when you buy something you know on the Hong Kong exchange, you actually are buying it with Hong kong dollars uh-huh. so we We understand the value of diversification so much that uh, we brought to everbank in in two thousand the uh, deposit book that was held at Mark Twain Bank, which is called the World Currency uh, Deposit book and uh-huh. In that deposit book is the opportunity for what we do is we we give investors the opportunity to invest in foreign currencies using bank deposit products. So, therefore, it's something that they understand. It's a CD that's denominated in 20 different, or, you know, you can use 20 different currencies. And uh, it's also a savings account that uh, gives you the ability to have smaller amounts in the account, but have liquidity because you could buy or sell uh, that currency at any time. You're not locked into a time deposit like a CD. Mm -hmm. And then then, (laughs) in in addition to those two things, we also have a uh, wealth management area where they can uh, manage your money. And in that managed money uh, uh, division, they also have a managed currency uh, product. So, we like to we like to think that uh, we can cover any type of investment around the world, and uh, although you know we're not in some of the exotic currencies like Somali currency or anything like that, we we choose the major currencies and the upcoming emerging market currencies uh-huh. to offer. And uh, as long as they have good liquidity, uh, we will offer them.
2: Okay, well
5: yeah go ahead and that's basically the story that's, that's, ah. that's basically our story
2: so it's for individuals I know you you have business clients as well you have uh, corporate clients but you so these different currency products are available for individuals chuck
5: yes it's a uh, it, it basically was devised uh, in the in the beginning for uh, businesses only and uh, and what we found was is that I don't know if you remember the the uh um, great writer that used to write for a major publication in New York, Jane Quine, uh, uh, Brian Quinn. Yes, uh, back in back in 1985, uh, she wrote an article and said, "You know, the the dollars getting weak, and wouldn't it be nice if people had some place to go with their dollars? You know, individual investors." And so, uh, my my partner and colleague and the big boss at Everbank, his name is Frank Trotter. Yes. He's the person who devised these. Currency products. He wrote James, uh, Brian Quinn a letter and said, "Hey, we have the products here at Everbank, or you know at Mark Twain Bank, and uh, and and soon she was writing about them. So uh, it is an investment, uh, a vehicle that can be used by corporations or individuals. And uh, you know, for a CD, the minimum is ten thousand dollars, and for a savings account, it's twenty five hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. these are." Uh, they, these are these are sizes that people are used to, to doing when they're doing investments or uh, opening accounts in
2: a bank Sure well, well Chuck you say you don't have exotic currencies and I can understand uh, some of the like Somalia or some of those places are truly exotic but as I look at the list of currencies that you uh, that your bank offers uh, some of them I would say are as exotic as I would want to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some things like uh, the Russian ruble, for example. Uh, you, you can invest in the, in the Renimbi, the Chinese Renimbi. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, um, Czech Corona. Uh, corona, I guess you, you say. Um, uh, of okay. course, Japanese yen. is a, But Hong Kong dollars, uh, of course, Brazilian real, Singapore dollars. So South African rands, Swedish corona, uh, Indian rupee. Mexican peso I mean New Zealand dollars it's check yeah it's a a lot of choices there
5: yeah like you know like I said it's it's a list of over 20 I believe uh-huh. and, um, we've, we've tried to make sure that uh, we always whenever we add a new currency to our list it's always something that uh, individual investors have requested on, a, on on a multiple basis so if we get a lot of people asking for, Russian ruble, well, then mm-hmm. we look into the abil- the ability to offer it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened with the ruble. We just added that in the last uh, year.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, obviously not a, a good currency to have been long in the last few months, but uh, who knows which way it will go. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, is what's happening? I, I don't know if we want to get into that now. There's some other questions I want to ask you first, but but just while we're on the topic, Russian ruble, Chinese renminbi. I mean, some of these things. It seems uh, the BRIC countries actually you have most of them here: Brazil, Russia, uh, China, India, South Africa,
5: the BRICS. You've got them all here, I believe. Right. Yes, and we and we, we strongly believe in the in the power of the emerging markets. Uh, in the mm-hmm. world, and uh, we think that people should look to them instead of just the normal. Uh, you know, you know. For years, when people thought of a, a foreign currency, all they thought about was you know Swiss francs, mm-hmm. and that was the only thing people ever talk about. And maybe right. the Deutsche Mark, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the emerging markets have generated uh, a large portion of the of the global growth in the last decade. And we, we think that they'll, they'll continue to be that, um, uh, growth generator as the, as the years go by. But, you know, as far as Russia is concerned, the, you know, the, the country was doing fine and the currency was doing well. And then, uh, they decided to, you know, get into a conflict with Ukraine and, and then the, the sanctions came and then the drop in the price of oil, uh, has really hurt them. And uh, so the currency has lost quite a bit of ground, but you know that's the thing with with currencies is that you know they're not always one way streets. They don't just go up all the time, and they don't always just go down all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the ruble was um, a lot weaker just a couple weeks ago, and uh, it has uh, regained some of its balance uh, of its value in uh, the last couple weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just What's- one of those things that that you look for value you know for in currency in countries you know I always tell people that if you uh, view the currency of a country as the stock of that country mm-hmm. then you'll find you'll fi- you know you use the t- t- same type of criteria that you use to value a stock uh-huh you'll you'll find a handful of currencies in the world that make abundant sense for you to look into buying mm-hmm
2: well, certainly, if you're a, a contrarian investor, you might uh, keep your eye on a place like Russia and see uh, maybe sooner or later things bottom out. It might be a great place to go. I, I'm just offering that as a uh, as a general comment. But certainly, you have the BRICS there. And the BRICS, to me, uh, they're countries that seem to be more cognizant in many ways of, uh, of value – than, uh, than the Western countries. I say that because they are, especially China, but Russia too to a great extent from all I read, accumulating a huge amount of gold, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and in my way of thinking, that's probably a good thing longer term. But uh, while we're on the topic of gold, I'd like to ask you uh, just to talk a little bit about the services that EverBank provides in that area, because you do provide, uh, I think people can buy and, go buy and store gold with EverBank.
5: Sure. We do all four of the precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Uh-huh. And uh, you, can, you can buy them and uh, use two different types of offerings that we make uh, to, to buy. So first of all, what we do is we offer people the ability to buy uh, the, the metal in a pooled account. And in a pooled account, basically what you have is liquidity. You can you can buy and sell it very easily. You don't have to make delivery of it. We say keep it for you, and there's no safekeeping charge. Mm-hmm. Then uh, then the other type is called allocated. That's where someone says to you, um, or says to us, "I would like you know actual Krugerand coins, or maple leaf coins, or uh, uh, platinum bars." Okay. So then, what you have then is you have uh, someone who actually wants the metal in physical form that uh, they want either sent to them or safe kept. So it will either cost them to um, to have them uh, mailed to them or for us to safe keep them, which is uh, you know about two and a half percent for silver and one and a half percent for gold
4: mm-hmm.
5: uh, on the on the nominal value of the metal per mm-hmm. year.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. All right. Let me ask you: uh, Do
2: you audit the gold that you hold in your uh, for your clients? Is that audited on a regular basis? And are the clients uh, privy to that audit?
5: Well, uh, clients are not uh, privy to that audit, but uh, it is audited, and uh, we are. You know, we have a uh, contract with um, any place that we hold that they would never ever be short the metal to us okay you know, and therefore we actually have a contract with our customer and the terms and conditions that say we will never be short to them um, so it's it's one of these things that uh, and then the regulators here make sure that we adhere to that I can guarantee you that and uh, <laughs> and, and 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 you know the um, the uh, places that we do hold are also uh, uh, you know they're audited by their governments and the and, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. we feel very strongly about uh, uh, the holdings that we have elsewhere.
2: Well, that's very good. I, mean, I know there are plenty of people around that aren't so sure that the U.S. government's gold is uh, necessarily – certainly haven't had an audit since the Eisenhower administration, and there are people, including Congressman Ron Paul, who's been on this show a number of times, uh, has called for an audit. So it just seems to me that like that's what ought to happen. Uh, you know, while we're uh, jumping around here a little bit, I'm sorry for that, but I want to ask you. Getting back to these foreign currency CDs and the uh, products that you have, they are. It's my understanding they are FDIC insured. Is that correct?
5: That is correct. The FDIC, you know, they are products of an FDIC insured bank. So the uh, the, the currency products are FDIC insured uh, against the failure of Everbank. Now, FDIC does not insure the currency fluctuation. So you know you can experience principal loss. Sure, of course, um, with, yeah. with a currency. But um, uh, but if every bank were to go out of business, the FDIC would give you the value of your uh, foreign currency and dollars at that time.
2: Right? Can you
5: um,
2: with the two thousand two thousand eight two thousand nine the Lehman Brothers the financial crisis that that followed? Uh, people, I think, need to be very cognizant of their banks and where they're leaving their money. Ah, uh, what can you tell our listeners about uh, your balance sheet? Uh, first of all, I'm I'm wondering, do you have any gold in your balance sheet? It would be highly unusual if you did. Oh no. <laughs> okay, um, I just wondered. It was no. a question. I hadn't hadn't looked at your balance sheet, or I could have wouldn't have had to ask you. But I was just just wondering. It seems to me uh, maybe the government wouldn't allow it. I don't know, but uh...
5: well, I mean they do. But uh, you know, the thing with uh, the thing with banks is that. You know, they they need to make sure that they are always earning uh, money on the money that they hold for customers because they're going to pay them an interest rate and they need to have a spread. Right. So, you know, a a non-interest bearing thing like gold would be difficult for them to have on their books. Sure, Um, sure. um, Everbank is a public company um, on the New York Stock Exchange. The symbol is E-V-E-R. And uh with that uh, you can find out the spots everything including the color of the chairman's hair I think um, <laughs> uh, for, you know from the public records of, of everbank uh, um, and so uh, you know to me our, our, our fourth quarter earnings are going to be released in about a week mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure that you know I have a I have a very strong feeling that they'll be um, they'll be good as usual. And, um, uh, but you know, that's, uh, it, it, it's just my opinion. I don't know anything more than anybody sure. else. Sure. Sure. Well, um, we'll find out
2: in a, in a few, uh, when did you say just a few days?
5: Yes, It'll just be and a few days before those are, those come out. So
3: Everbank pay a
5: dividend. It does pay a dividend. Um, and I'm not sure what the, what the, what the amount is these days. It was, uh, Two cents before mm-hmm. uh, it may have been raised.
2: Mm-hmm. what uh, who so what kind of loans do you have on your balance sheet? Are you lending or making mortgages? Uh, consumer loans or what?
5: yes yeah, the 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 bank in Florida uh, that bought us was at the time the largest privately owned mortgage company in the country. Uh-huh. and uh, um, through the years they've they've gone through a lot of changes, but they're still um, one of the largest mortgage com- uh, companies in the country, and so uh, what we do is is we we do keep um, some of the loans that we make, but for the most part, what we do is we we package them up and sell them within thirty days, and um, and and don't really keep you know the majority of the loans on our books.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you sell them off, you uh, capture the front end fees, and. Uh, And that way, you can enhance the return on your balance sheet, I I suppose, by doing that uh, on a regular basis. What, um, With just a couple of minutes left here, uh, Chuck, I know that in your daily misses, uh, the daily fenning, you do provide a lot of commentary on the markets, on the equity markets uh, some, but uh, certainly on the currency markets, which is an area of your expertise. Uh, The dollar has been extremely strong. Is this thing going is this going to last a lot longer in your view? What are I mean I, I know nobody knows for sure, but what's your hunch?
5: Well, my my feeling is is that it's going to be it's going it's going to be very much like the year 2005 and 2008 when we saw the same type of dollar strength throughout the year those years. But but in the end the dollar just returning to its underlying weak trend. Which is um there because of the large debt that the u s has yeah, and uh will will remain there until something's done about it, and the only thing being done about it is increasing it uh so you know that's a that's a very unstable situation uh for the u s as far as I'm concerned oh. and um so the dollar strength could last for you know anywhere from three to six more months um but uh in the end, it, you know, it'll, it'll just come right back to, uh, uh, you know, the underlying weak trend. And, and I think we're all, already starting to see signs that the that the economy is losing its steam. We've seen right. horrible good. All, all right, know. Chuck.
2: Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, Chuck, we're out of time. I'm so sorry. Okay. I want to get you back, though, so we can talk more about economics and get your views on these things. But it's the Daily fenning, folks. And, and go uh, check it out. Sign up for it, get it, and Chuck Butler will have a lot of good things to tell you, very important things to tell you, and you'll be entertained along the way. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Uh, but next week we'll be talking to Dr. Robert McHugh, who believes the equity markets are, are ready to uh, for some very, very difficult times. I'm also going to be talking to David Jensen. Don't forget also that Jay Taylor Media, David Jensen tomorrow, and Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity is with us every weekend. I want to thank each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you.
1: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Novo Resources Corporation, trading symbols NSRPF on the OTCQX and NVO on the Canadian Securities Exchange, is an advanced junior mining exploration company whose highly prospective assets are located in the Hammersley Basin of Western Australia. Novo's flagship asset, its Beaton's Creek Project, has an NI 43101 compliant resource of 420,000 ounces at a grade of 1.5 grams per ton. With $10 million in cash and strong shareholder support from Newmont Mining, Novo looks to complete a feasibility study. In the first quarter of 2015. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacore Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at dynacorgold.com or follow us on Twitter at dynacorgold.